You're listening to WGAM's coverage of Merrimack Hockey. Our score after two periods, Merrimack 3, UNH 1. Mike Mackin alongside John Leahy bring you the game tonight. And with us, Mike McMahon from the Mac Report and also Eagle Tribune, College Hockey News. And Mike, uh, some controversy maybe on the UNH goal tonight, which is the only goal Merrimack's allowed this weekend. But, again, it's a question about that one. It looked as though on the delayed call... It was a pass, a UNH pass that was deflected away, redirected. You know, one of the Warriors was able to poke his stick out and change the direction and send it, but the UNH kept uh, control after that and the whistle didn't blow. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what, what did you think? Uh, I think it's, it depends on what your interpretation of the rule is. I, I didn't have a problem with it not blowing because the way I understand the rules, you need to, it needs to change possession of the puck. Even though they touched the, touched the puck, it didn't change possession. Uh, but as we talked off the air, that's not always how it's called. Uh, usually, it, it, it has been blown dead after a play like that, where the team simply just touches up the puck. Uh, it doesn't necessarily change possession. But uh, I actually didn't even notice it at first until somebody brought it up with me uh, on Twitter and on the chat tonight. But uh, you know, to, to, to me, the puck needs to change possession before that play is whistled dead. So I, I didn't have as much of a problem with it. But I, I certainly see the point of that's not how it has been called in the past. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's that's the big uh, question that I had was. You know, you're conditioned, I guess, to, to expect a, the way that a game has been called, even the way the rule is called. And the thing is that I don't, I don't know if if I've seen another time, and not that I can think of anyway, where it's been called that way, where where they actually did stick by the letter of the rule. Which I have no problem if that's what's going to happen. But now, uh, you know, all of these other times, and you could even go back and pull out tapes. I say from the last few weeks when oh, sure. things like that have happened, and you know, there was a puck, a shot that was blocked or, you know, a puck that was, you know, a guy got a stick on it and knocked it away and, and whatever, didn't get possession of the puck, but still was able to poke it away or, or something like that. And not not poke, but redirect, you know, there's a difference there, right? and, I, and I understand that. But uh, at any rate, so that's the only goal that Merrimack's given up this weekend, but two goals tonight from Sean Bates and a power play goal from Vinny Scotty, and they're in pretty good shape here after two. Absolutely. I mean, I thought the, the power play in particular, that last power play on Scotty's goal, some of the best puck moves they've had on a power play maybe all year. Uh, a couple of cross eyes passes there. They had a chance, I think, off of Myers. Uh, or Myers, I think, sent it across ice to somebody earlier in that same power play on the, on the other unit. So, uh, really good puck movement. I, I think they're doing a nice job sort of neutralizing the uh, the pressure that UNH puts on you in the penalty kill, especially at the points. They really get on you at the points, and they've kept the puck a little lower uh, trying, and just working it quickly, moving around pretty fast, and it's it's done well to, to spread out their penalty killers and, and uh, sort of neutralize the pressure that they put on you in the penalty kill. Yeah, I mean, I think, look at the way UNH is power play plays in this rink and I think that should show you the way that you need to play it when you're up a man right is that and, and they didn't do it the first time the second power play they did do it where like you said they spread the zone more they used the more the, the extra 15 feet on the side of the rink they kept the puck I mean they were sending it around about as wide as you could go keeping it away and and that UNH is able to do that keep it away from the penalty killers. Merrimack did it that time. Both units did it, and they end up getting a goal for it. Yeah, I think you want to do that, especially, like I said, in this building where the ice is so wide, you have extra room. You want to make them cover as much as they can. You know, you want to make them spread that out, especially the fact that, you know, they're not very passive on their penalty kill. They get right upon you. They don't pressure you. So, uh, you want to make them spread out, and what it happens is you create those passing lanes across the ice, which is exactly what happened twice. Uh, UNH penalty killer comes in and tries to pressure the puck carrier. He takes a couple steps to his right or his left 
left. I actually think both times that the, the puck carrier stepped to his left and had just a clear lane right across the ice because they're not staying in a, in a tight passive box. They, they try to get up on you. And in a rink this big, it's going to open up the space. Talking with Mike McMahon from the Mac Report and also the Eagle Tribune, College Hockey News. The Warriors lead 3-1. And tell you, tell you what, uh, John and I were saying, uh, I mean, the Warriors, they win this one. Obviously, they're in third place, but they're in pretty good position because they play Boston University on Friday. You win that one, you're in second place, and, you know, they're moving up here in the standings. And here's my question to you. This is, after tonight, nine games left in the uh, Hockey East regular season. I mean, where where do you think this team ends up here at the end? Uh, the way that they're playing lately, you know, is there anything that needs to be? Uh, obviously, you always always want to try to get better, and, and the schedule down the stretch will be will be tough. But if you finish in the top four, then you're looking at home ice for the playoffs, and you got a good shot of getting to the Garden after that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think realistically, you're looking at uh, at four to six uh, in terms of, of placement range. Uh, as, as poorly as BC and BU has played of late, they've both struggled a little bit. Uh, even UNH. I still think that they're probably the top three teams in the league, and they're going to finish in some order of one to three. And then you're likely to see Merrimack, Lowell, and Providence finish in some order of four to six. But like you said, I mean, all these teams, that all those, all three of those four to six teams are in striking distance. And if Merrimack wins this game tonight, uh, they're right there. So uh, it's still, they've, they've got a pretty tough schedule on the way out here. Uh, they still got BC one more time. They still got BU, uh, excuse me, uh, BC twice. Uh, they still got BU once more. Uh, two more with Lowell, who despite the result last night, is still playing pretty well. Uh, but, uh, I mean, you're really now looking at a six-team race, and, and you could say they're, they're split one to three and four to six, but in reality, all these teams are going to be so close. I think you're looking at six teams that could finish in any order. You had a great piece this week on Mike Collins. I encourage everybody to check it out if they can on the eagletribune.com site or on your blog, themacreport.com. But interesting that Mike Collins says, I don't know if it's other teams focusing on him or what. I mean, I, I think that... You had a play like last night where he very well could have scored a goal, but Doug Carr made a great play. You know, so he's continuing to get his chances. So I don't know that it's that that teams are focusing on him. But however it works out, they needed to get scoring, have needed to get scoring from some other guys, and they're getting it now. Yeah, that, that was one of the things. I think even when he was playing as well as he as he was, uh, you could you could certainly look at the box scores and just look at the way they play and say they need to find secondary scoring from somewhere. Uh, and, and we've seen it pick up of late. You know, we obviously Sean Bates has two tonight. Uh, Justin Husser's a guy. Who's a freshman that has been able to contribute right away? He gets one last night, so I think you're going to start to see, especially from from the younger players, those freshmen and even the sophomores, when you start to enter the second half of your sophomore year, or or even the second half of your freshman year. Once these guys start to get their feet wet a little bit, you might see some of that, and they're going to need to have some of that secondary scoring. Pick up. All right, Mike. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Folks, check out his work on in the Eagle Tribune or EagleTribune.com. Also, TheMacReport.com. He writes for College Hockey News too. Uh, I don't know. He'll probably come to your house, fix your, fix your kitchen sink if you need it. But uh, thanks a lot, Mike. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Mike. Mike McMahon's been our guest here with the score Merrimack three UNH one. John and I will be back right after this from Durham. Again, you're listening to coverage of Merrimack hockey right here on WGAM. The game.